Hi, I am Tingan, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to Season 2, where we interview dads who are technology company leaders based in Southeast Asia. After hearing from moms in Season 1, now it's time to speak to dads who are raising kids while striving in their careers. Let's find out the stories, challenges, and advice they have for us. In this episode, we speak to Royce, Head of Global Public Policy at the Alibaba Group. Royce is a lawyer by training, and his foray into technology began as Deputy General Counsel at the Infocom Media Development Authority. Since then, he has held leadership roles in the intersections between tech, law, and public policy at organisations including the Singapore Ministry of Communications and Information. Royce is father to a three-year-old daughter. Hey Royce, welcome to the Parents in Tech show. To begin with, could you tell us a bit more about your family? Sure. Hi Tianan, happy that you invited me to this platform to share my thoughts and my experiences about being a father in tech. So my name is Royce. I just turned 40 in the middle of last year. My wife is a couple of, couple of years younger than me. I've got one kid, a daughter. She's turning three in a couple of weeks' time. So for myself, I'm after a career in the Singapore Civil Service. I'm now heading up public policy for a Chinese tech MNC. As well, my wife, she's a legal counsel in a Singapore law firm. And my daughter is three, so she's in preschool. Wonderful. So before I dive in a bit into, of course, what it's like to switch from the public to private sector, I have to ask, how did you meet your wife? Sure. I don't have any grand romantic story to see. <laughs> I actually met my wife in the course of work. Mm. Never underestimate the serendipity that can come out of office. But rest assured that we did not report in to each other. There was certainly no conflict of interest <laughs> issues that arose. Got it. And when did having children come into the picture? What did those conversations look like? Actually, for us, having a child was never a topic that was explicitly or specifically discussed. For both of us, I think it's just a natural progression of our relationship as we developed from a boy-girl, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, the marriage, the parent. It was just a natural course of, of events. I think we were so quite blessed or lucky in the sense that we have a certain alignment in values and, and in goals for our lives and for our relationships. Mm, I see. So are you guys aligned in terms of the number of children that you want to have? We are aligned in the sense that we are both open about it. We don't have a fixed number per se. Mm. Yeah, we have one. We are very happy with our only child right now. Yep. Again, hewing to the theme about alignment and values and objectives. We are, we are taking things one step at a time. So as we keep an open mind, uh, I think if we have a second child or even more, that's certainly a blessing for us. That's wonderful. And I think that both of you are on the same page certainly helps. So Royce, I noticed that you moved and you changed jobs from the public sector to the private sector, probably where your daughter was still pretty young. That's right. Tell me a bit more about that transition, because I think at that stage, probably that was when COVID just struck, or was it before then? And It was right after. There was a lot of things happening. So tell me about the period of time. Sure. I think it could be an episode of temporary insanity on my part. <laughs> <laughs> and I can blame it on the virus. Yeah, but on a more serious note, I think the virus did play a role in the sense that it helped. It did help to force me to take a step back from the daily grind to really re-examine my career path, where I've been, where I was at the point in time, and where I want to go mm -hmm. for the future. So that helped to set the background or the 
the stage to really let me uh, examine some of my fundamental assumptions. The opportunity, I think, is also timing. Again, referencing serendipity, I was also approached about this role that turned out and I decided to take it, to take the leap mm. and to see whether I can cut my teeth in the private sector. And thus far, I must say that it's been a very exciting journey. I've, I've not regretted it. Mm. It's very exciting and at the same time, to be honest, also challenging to change not just job, but a change in career from civil service to the Chinese tech MNC. Okay, there's a lot to unpack over there, but you mentioned yes. about relooking at your fundamental assumptions. So what was one of these assumptions that you realized you were making and what changed? Sure. I think one assumption was always about the stability around career or even life in general. I think if nothing else, COVID does really upend this illusion that we have that we can really control our life to the smallest detail. Mm-hmm. I think it gave me a certain perspective to be more detached and really to see things at a higher level, at a more philosophical level, about risk-taking, about embracing change, Mm. about treating life more as an adventure, and going for different experiences, trying different things, growing my networks, growing my skill sets, and developing new perspectives that I might not have been open to previously in a relatively sheltered environment of the civil service. Got it. So it sounds like you had the opportunity to reflect and almost dare to put yourself out for a new adventure so that that's how you continue to stretch, you continue to grow. Correct. And it's tried, but yet true at the same time. Mm. This whole thing about not wanting to look back with regrets. Mm. I think there have been studies or anecdotes being shared around talking about how if you ask a person at his or her deathbed, usually the biggest regrets are the things that they don't do rather than those that they did try, even if the results are not always aligned to the initial expectations. True. And you miss all the shots that you don't take. So I guess for you, it was also very much making that. Exactly. Yeah, thanks for that. So I'm curious also for you, Royce. COVID happened, you have a new job, you welcome your daughter into the world. Is COVID good or is it COVID bad for you? I think COVID has been perversely good to me Mm. on the balance of things. It's certainly been very disruptive, but at least for me, I've been quite blessed in the sense that It did open up new opportunities for me and for my family to get out of our comfort zone. Like I said, to experiment, to try new things. And thus far, I think the results have been positive for us. Mm. So going back to work, to give a concrete example, now that I hit up public policy function, it's allowed me to work with different stakeholders to understand how senior management in China, how they look at things, what's their governance model, what's their governing philosophy, to really understand what makes them tick. Mm. I think such takeaways are quite invaluable for me and I can see how I can adapt and apply them to my own situation here in Singapore. Got it. But tell me a bit more also in terms of the day-to-day working arrangements because Mm. you're working from home. I guess now your daughter is in preschool, but before that, she probably wasn't. She was at home or was she at infant care? How was that like to balance that? And I guess your wife also works from home, at least at the period. So yeah, with all of that happening, how did you manage it? Were there any challenges? I think it's certainly very challenging having to juggle multiple balls at the same time, Mm. be it in terms of undergoing this transition to a new work environment, to a new work culture, a different pace of work, Mm -hmm. learning how to be a self-starter also within the private sector. How do I create value for my employer? How do I corral allies, build a network of friends, allies, like-minded, friendly 
partners or collaborators, how do we obtain resources mm. to achieve the, the key work objectives? Mm. And even something as simple as language, because being in a Chinese firm, Chinese is the, the main working language. Yes. And while I have a basic working knowledge of Chinese, it's certainly not business Chinese level. Mm. So having to do that, having to manage a transition, at the same time also learning how to practice to be that, to be a father, in addition to being a husband, I think that that is certainly challenging. What helps really is that I think being a dad also provides quite useful context and perspectives in the sense that it helped me to develop a certain equanimity towards work. Mm. In the sense that I think work fires, challenges, they, they really are seldom existential or matters of life and death. Yep. So I alluded to juggling multiple balls at the same time and useful for me to know that and acknowledge that at the end of the day, these are just rubber balls. They're not eggs or much less the hand grenades. <laughs> so even if you drop them, it's okay. Just pick them up and then we can just try again. Yeah. And I love that balls analogy. Maybe for the benefit of some parents who is the first time hearing that, can you tell us a bit more about what they're juggling and the balls? Sure. So that consists of taking care of the child, Mm. making sure the child is safe, is well-fed, is mm -hmm. changed regularly, is clean, to making sure that food is always there on the table, having to prepare our own meals, having to buy groceries, especially during the period of lockdown when we couldn't really get out of the home, mm. to having to deal with urgent messages from colleagues, from some of our private sector collaborators or partners. Yeah. So the challenge always is how can we work in a manner that allows us to flexibly pivot to areas that requires our attention. Mm, got it. And perhaps of all the many responsibilities and things that you had to do, what was the one thing that you enjoyed the most? And conversely, what is one thing that you enjoyed the least? I tried to operate within a managed or limited bandwidth mm. in a sense that I try not to get too excited. And for the matter, conversely, I try not to get too easily depressed or worn down. Yep. I think that's one emotional self-modulation skill mm. or muscle that I'm trying to develop. Also because I acknowledge that oftentimes a lot of the challenges are quite exogenous, derived outside of ourselves, be it the needs of the child, the needs of my wife, or the needs of my employers. Mm. So I try to look at things in a more cool-headed fashion and try to resolve issues, resolve problems where I'm well-placed to do so in the most efficient manner. Got it. So I guess looking back also at this, how you have grown as a parent since your daughter came into the world, how did starting and nurturing your family change the way you'd lead teams at work? Now, that's a very good question. Actually, one important takeaway that I have being a father really is the need to be patient, mm -hmm. to be more nurturing, to be able to take the long view. Mm. Really, we are planting seeds and we cannot expect immediate fruits to be reaped. Mm. So I think being a parent or for the matter being a husband, that's a lesson that I have internalized and I try to also remind myself of on a daily basis. And I think this is certainly something which, on reflection, I can see how it has salience in the work environment as well. I think oftentimes, in the work context, we can be very stressed. We can have multiple deadlines that are happening and different fires we need to fight. Yep. So having the, the right frame of mind is helpful in order for me to be, in a way, more forgiving hmm. 
to be able to tolerate, I wouldn't say mediocre results, but to at the same time require high standards, but at the same time also recognize that humans are fallible yep. and they do have other priorities outside of work. Yep. And how can we communicate openly, work closely together hmm. to achieve the work objectives in a manner that recognizes the inherent humanity in us? Yeah, I think it's almost recognizing that, like you said, we are all have strengths and there are areas that we're not so good at. And I think being more cognizant on how that differs across each team member, truly, I think that's one of the benefits of being a parent. So I think that's really fascinating to hear. Looking back, Royce, even right now, what's the best part about being a dad? For me, the best part is really the simple pleasures. Being able to see my child's you know, very pure and very innocent smile and joy. Mm. Being there to witness my child's growth, be it physically, mentally, or socially, the joy that I get out of it can't be reduced or measured in dollars and cents. So to me, yep. it's, it's literally very priceless and I treasure those moments that I have with her yep. very much so. This also really makes all the challenges and the sacrifices worthwhile. Again, it's a very trite statement, but at least for me personally, I do find it to be very true. Yeah. Tell me about those moments. What is one or two of those that you really enjoy? And how do you create more of those? I really enjoy just spending time with her. Mm. I think to me, it's about finding those pockets of time where I can be with her. So I try to make it a routine to send her to school every morning, as well as to pick her up in the evenings. Mm. Those to me are very important windows of space, of time, just me and her. Mm. And during those journeys, we really create a lot of very nice memories. We can just talk about in the mornings, talk about the day ahead for her. Where I can you know, start off by asking her how was her sleep, to whether she's looking forward to school, to planning what we want to do when I pick her up in the evenings. And in the evenings when I do pick her up, then ask her how her day was in school and go about our joint activities in the evening. It's as simple as going to the playground mm. or going to Toys R Us for her to browse the owls and occasionally give in to her <laughs> repeated demands for certain toys. So to me, these simple pleasures are really, really moments of magic for me. Yeah, it's almost like the small things that really matter, things that might not be notable or big, but it's just creating those moments when you're fully present with her. That's right. Now, that's the beautiful moments. Let's talk a bit about the challenges that, of course, you face. What do those look like? I think the ones that are the most acute will be work assignments or projects that are so urgent that I won't be able to spend adequate time with her, mm. where sometimes I have to ask my wife or I have to ask my in-laws to stand in to pick her up, or even sometimes during weekends to come in to take over some of the parenting duties. I think those are certainly the hardest in the sense that I feel very torn in those moments between being there for my daughter mm -hmm. as a father against my other priority to be an effective worker and leader in my company mm. to make sure that work deliverables continue to be maintained. Yeah. yeah, so those are the most challenging situations. Got it. So it sounds like balancing basically the work front, especially when the pace of tech, the pace of work is always changing. You go to sleep one night and you wake up, uh, sometimes the world has changed and you have to respond to it. That's right. So perhaps what's one or two productivity hacks that you found to be particularly helpful? I find it helpful to wake up early in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I try to be up by 5 or 5.30. Those are really very quiet moments, which really allow me to plan my day ahead as far as possible. To also try to think about what is important to be done. 
mm. be it at the home or the work front or especially the work front. I say especially the work front because sometimes when it comes to work, it's easy to conflate or mix up what is important with what is urgent. Mm. Because there are things which are urgent, but they're urgent not because they're important. So I try to make a distinction between the two yep. and focus more on the matters that are important because it could be strategic to us, it could affect our business model, or it could affect our standing with regulators. And for things which are urgent but not really important, how can I make work more systematized? Mm. Right? How can you, for instance, if these urgent matters are run on the mill matters, how can I make sure that a system is in place where this can be spotted ahead of time and resolved in a timely fashion? Yeah, I really like that mapping of almost a two-by-two matrix of what's important and urgent, and it's so easy to conflate the two. For example, like a phone call, that's always the classic example of something that's urgent, but probably not important. And being able to ruthlessly prioritize, it's something that you as a parent would go through. That's right. And what do you think the challenge would be moving forward? Because we talked about what it is now. Moving forward, what do you foresee the biggest challenge to say be in the next five, ten years? Sure. I think due to the role of technology, mm. work becomes that much more pervasive. It also intrudes on this work-life divide. I think even today, when we talk about a 9 to 6 work timetable, it seems like an anachronism, right? It's a very outmoded way of, of working and living. Yeah. So to me, the biggest challenge really is this evolution from a work-life balance to, to a work-life integration. How this challenge will really play out in the next few years. And also mm. the need to move beyond the label or the rhetoric to really fleshing out what this work-life integration means in practice, how it can be affected, what is its impact on our work, on our family life, on our levels of stress, even our mental health. And in turn, how can we put in place policies, programs, safeguards to address such adverse impact mm. of this so-called integration? And this really spans from working from home to hybrid work arrangements, Mm-hmm. So even emails or messaging, quote-unquote, outside of the traditional office hours, or even remote working while on holiday. Yeah, I think those blurred boundaries does make it a lot harder to protect the time we have with our families. But I think all the more, like what you shared earlier, right? therefore we need to be very clear in our minds on how to prioritize it. Because if you don't, no one else will prioritize it for you. So it's really something for you to manage. That's right. I think it also brings to mind issues beyond the self in the sense that it does also go into equity and performance appraisal, mm. rewards, issues about career progression, mm-hmm. or even something as basic or fundamental to bridging the digital divide. Because actually not everyone may have the right access to tools, to resources, the equipment, to be able to work remotely in an effective way. Yep. So ultimately, many of these issues actually go beyond tech itself. It's really more of a social issue and what our values and what our priorities and aspirations as a society. Yeah. And how do you imagine your aspirations and ambitions for your daughter might be right, contributing to the society in future? My role as a dad really is to equip my daughter mm. with the ability for her to think about herself, mm. to think for herself. In other words, critical thinking skills, exposing her to varied experiences, mm-hmm. and also to let her develop her own interest areas I mean, I can provide her with guidance, I can provide her with tools, with resources. But at the end of the day, I think it's her life. So I wouldn't presume to be able to write out the author of her life for her or to dictate her life for her. 
Yeah. I think I want her to grow up into someone who is confident, who is able to stand up for herself, think for herself, and make decisions for herself. Mm. I think in a world which is marked by rapid tech changes, tech disruption, or geopolitical tensions, changes in social mores, it's very hard. I think it would be futile to really micromanage how my daughter's life will pan out. Agreed. But I think just being able to help her to think independently, even when there's so many differing views, diverse views, but to distill out and ultimately take a stand. Yeah, that's so true. So Royce, I think one question I have earlier, you talked a bit about growing networks. And I think that's a challenge because Mm. as a parent, you have your work, you have your family, and then there's this whole element of home. I still have to go out to meet people. How was it like for you, especially in, I would say, this transition from public to private sector Mm. and the idea of building networks? How do you go about doing it in the busyness of everything? Uh, I think it's going to be quite a critical role to play to be fulfilled, especially because of the nature of the work that I'm doing, which is in public policy. I think oftentimes in public policy, it's understanding what are the key changes in our external environment, Mm. what are regulators, what are key opinion makers, key decision makers, what are the issues that concern them, what are their priorities, what are the changes in laws and regulations, and what are the trends of such changes that are going to impact on our businesses. Mm. And in turn, being able to understand this external environment, understand the impact on our businesses, and conversely, being able to reflect our own internal values, our internal capabilities outwards to build those bridges of understanding and trust with these external stakeholders. I think this process is a very dynamic and intricately entwined process. And for that to really take place, we do need a network. Mm-hmm. It goes beyond press releases or media statements, as important as those are. By the end of the day, I think business is really about relationships. It's really about building these ties between individuals. Mm-hmm. So networking in that context is going to be absolutely critical. Because oftentimes, people may, may read in press reports or media articles about enterprise, and they may form a very single-dimensional view of the organization. And the organization becomes like a monolith as well. So I think we do need to put a human face to a lot of the corporate actions to really explain our story better, to tell our story better, and to reflect our attitudes, our values better. And nothing beats that human face-to-face contact. Absolutely. How do you find time and how do you find the right people? I think those are two questions that many parents would be wondering. I'd love to hear anything you have to share around that. One thing that helps is not pitching it. When, when we do network, we don't have to call it networking per se. I think that gives it a very mm-hmm. commercial veneer to it. Yep. And the starting point is that when we do want to get to know other people, it is about friendship first and foremost. We do need to get the, know the other individual on a personal level. I think that's a starting point. So to me, networking, the heart of it is about making new friends, mm-hmm. getting to know more people. So from the perspective, it becomes easier to carry out this process of networking, to reach out to individuals who are interesting, who are in positions of influence, who either are senior or are on the way towards a more senior position, to get to know them as individuals, to reach out to them. And this can be done during office hours. Oftentimes, when we just reach out for just a quick meetup over coffee, most people would be able to find a bit of time amidst their busy schedule mm-hmm. to take a break, to meet their peers, to meet interesting people who can just discuss 
the issues of the day, to discuss issues that are keeping them awake at night. Also the bounce off ideas. Also to be able to provide value to those people that you want to meet mm. beyond just a beneficiary. Yeah. I think when we do want to network we or want to make friends, we must also be clear what we bring to the table in terms of our perspectives, uh, in terms of our um, experiences when it comes to salient issues that are concerning many people. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And I like the part where you say, don't see of it as a transaction. Don't see of it as, oh, I have to go build my network, but really see it more as, hey, I want to get to know people. It's great if I want to make friends out of it and get to know someone who perhaps shares certain areas or common interests, common topics, but less of the functional approach of what can I just get and what's the pure utility that I can get out of it. That's right. I think you totally hit the nail. Yeah. So Royce, now is when your daughter also is starting to learn, becoming more sentient, for the lack of a better word, (laughs) and more aware of the environment around her. Probably she just got past, or she might still be in what people call the terrible twos. (laughs) Was there such a phase for you? And tell us more. Uh, I find that it's a very fun age for her to be in right now. Okay. In the sense that I can see signs of intelligence. Mm. I think at least in the initial years, it's more like a one-way street. My wife and I would converse to her or we would talk to her. Yep. But we wouldn't hear anything beyond you know, guttural sounds <laughs> or, or cries. I mean, now, I think it's, it's really magical that, that she can not only absorb, but able to think about it, think about what we said and formulate a response. Mm. And so her own personality, her own thought process have started to come out and it started to be, become more evident. So to me, that is a wonderful period. Of course, she would have episodes where she'll cry, she'll make a din. I think that because of her tender years, she may not have sufficient emotional maturity or mastery or control over her emotions. And that's where what I shared earlier about patience, about being nurturing, about being forgiving come into the picture as well. Mm. So what is perhaps one piece of advice you would give to parents like myself when my daughter is now 16 months old <laughs> going to hit that phase? Yeah. What would you give? What would you advise me? I think the, the best advice I can give is really to be loving. Mm. It's really to be kind, compassionate and to be loving. And I mean that not only from you to your daughter, from a father to the daughter, mm-hmm. but also to yourself. Because sometimes, at least for myself, I do find instances where I find that I'm getting impatient. Yeah. Or sometimes in terms of the tone of voice that I use with her, the volume of my voice, subconsciously or unconsciously, those are areas where I can do better. Mm. And those are then, in the point reflection, I feel very guilty about such lapses on my part, then which have contributed to my daughter's outburst. Mm. So it's also about me being kind to myself and being able to forgive myself for those areas where I have slipped up. And finally, it's also being kind and compassionate towards your better half. Yeah. I think ultimately being a parent is a shared responsibility (laughs) and none of us are perfect. So I think especially when the child is having a meltdown, the parents also have a role to play to Mm. see how we could have prevented it or is there anything that we did that might have contributed it or even whether we are able to manage the meltdown in an effective manner. Mm. to be kind to be patient and to be understanding to our kids that's golden advice because I think so often as parents I myself tend to to assume a more superior position as like want things to be done a certain way because I think I know best but yeah I think this is very timely advice so to sum up today's conversation Royce if there's one lesson you have learned as a parent in tech what would that be other than being kind (laughs) (laughs) you got me there I would say that One important takeaway really is to be clear 
why we are doing what we are doing. Mm. And I love the fact that you call your podcast mothers or, or fathers in tech because to me, it shows that we have our priorities. Mm. First and foremost, I think we are parents. We're not employees or we're not business owners or civil servants. First of all, at least for me, I think, I don't know whether this is also a deliberate choice in, in language when you name your series. I think first of all, we are, we are parents and we happen to be working in technology. So to me, that sequence or that order of words is very important. Mm-hmm. So there's this identity of me being a dad, being a father to a child and being a husband to a wife. It sets the stage for why I'm doing the work that I do within technology. Mm. At the end of the day, I think those are the goals, those, those are the key objectives. So while work is definitely important, I think I derive a lot of value, I derive a lot of meaning and purpose, being a leader, being a worker within technology. Um, I do not also want to be defined by that. I think that helps to contextualize, and helps to prioritize some of the work that I do, especially in the event where conflicts between those roles rear its head. Yeah, I think what you mentioned is spot on. You are a parent, you are a father first and foremost. And it's so often that we let our work define who we are, be the part that we're most proud of. But I think being able to really know what's important and get back to the core of who we are and who we'll be remembered for eventually, that's beautiful. Yeah, no, thanks so much. It's a great summary. Ah, thanks for that, Royce. So to sum up our conversation for today and for our parents who would love to get in touch with you, what's the best way that they can do so? Sure, you can actually reach me via LinkedIn. It's www.linkedin.com slash IN slash my name, Royce B. So happy to continue this conversation. To hear also the views of other parents in technology. If you agree with me, you disagree with me, happy to engage you. I think we're all on this journey together and... We can all partner each other and grow together in the journey of learning. Absolutely. Well, it was such a joy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Royce. Pleasure is mine. Thank you, Tianan. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tianan. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback, or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.